Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Today's topic is about the dirt cure. That's right, it's about dirt. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Dr. Maya Shetri Klein. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Maya is a neurologist, herbalist, urban farmer, and author of The Dirt Cure, Healthy Food, Healthy Gut, Happy Child. Board certified in adult and child neurology, as well as pediatrics, Dr. Maya completed the University of Arizona's Fellowship in Integrative Medicine and now serves on their faculty. She works and studies with indigenous communities and healers in Ecuador. In her book and in her practice, she offers an integrative and spiritual approach to allow moving beyond chronic health problems in children and adults. She also founded the Terrain Institute, where she teaches terrain medicine, which is an earth-based program for transformational healing. Dr. Maya, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you so much for having me. So, Dr. Maya, I have to ask you right out, right at the start, what is the dirt cure? So, the dirt cure is sort of a shorthand for um, the three foundations of of health, which the first is ex- being exposed to germs and microbes. The second is eating fresh food from healthy soil, and the third is getting outdoors into nature. So all of those things together are actually what our bodies need um, in order to uh, be healthy and resilient. Fantastic. So can you tell us about the terrain? You know, when, when you talk about terrain, what does that mean to the lay person? And how does that actually play a role in our health? Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, a lot of what we have focused on in kind of conventional medicine has been this idea of, you know, that, that we're kind of these sitting ducks waiting around for, you know, microbes or germs to come attack us and, you know, make us sick and, um, and maybe kill us, you know? And so, um, we focused all of our attention on really trying to get rid of the bugs and, in doing so, we've sort of sterilized our environment. You know, we've sterilized our bodies using antibiotics, hand sanitizer, steroids. We've sanitized our homes using bleach um, and other kinds of really strong cleaners. Um, we've sanitized our lives by, you know, staying indoors and not getting outside. Um, but really, our bodies are, are um, you know, it's not so much what the germ is. It's more how healthy is our body because what we've learned is that actually the organisms that 
can make us very sick are almost always organisms that we live with every day in our bodies. So the question is, you know, why do um, some people get sick from these organisms and some people don't get sick? Like strep, for instance, is a really good example. We all carry strep in our bodies all the time. Um, but in some people, it grows out of control and can really cause problems, whereas for others, it really never does. And so um, what we think about or what I think about is this idea of our bioterrain, which is our bodies, um, and the health of that terrain, all of our organ systems, our microbiome, which is all the, you know, three to five pounds of microscopic, you know, organisms that, that live in and on us. Um, and how healthy and resilient that system is, our bioterrain is, is what um, determines whether the challenges that our bodies face um, become problems for us or if we can overcome them, um, you know, easily and, and uh, come out the other side stronger. So we're in a constant relationship with our eco-terrain. All these organisms, our food and the different germs and the different, um, you know, sort of experiences we have in the world, even emotionally, um, you know, all of those things make up our eco-terrain. And when our bio-terrain, our bodies, and our eco-terrain, the world around us, are in alignment, then we are in optimal health. So, Dr. Maya, can you explain to our listeners that this isn't just some crazy idea that you just thought up one day, that there is this uh, hypothesis within the medical community called the hygiene hypothesis as to why so many people, why there's such a steep rise in uh, asthma, eczema, and allergies. Uh, can you kind of talk about that and, and kind of meld in to uh, the dirt cure? about, you know, the research that's going on about out there about how important bacteria is for us? Sure. The, you know, there was this um, theory, you know, some time ago we found, you know, we're not we, but, you know, researchers looked into this idea that children who grow up on farms are less likely to have allergies and asthma than children who grow up in urban, you know, apartments. And, and it was called the hygiene hypothesis. Like, basically, you know, you need more dirt, and a farm is a dirtier place, and therefore probably they were getting exposed to more bacteria and, you know, more dirt, and therefore they were healthier. That was the hygiene hypothesis. And, um, and eventually, some researchers actually decided to determine, you know, objectively whether there really are more bacteria on a farm than there, than there would be in an urban apartment. And they did measure. They went to urban apartment, and they went to a farm, and they compared. And what they found was interesting and a little surprising. So it turned out that the number of bacteria overall were about the same. But the difference was the variety. So biodiversity on the farm was incredibly broader. There were just more different kinds of types of bacteria as compared to um, in the urban apartment where there were as many bacteria overall but fewer kinds. And so basically what that teaches us is that our bodies crave 
diversity. They crave diversity of organisms. And what's really interesting there is this is not just about bacteria. It turns out that it's also about viruses and um, fungi, you know, and yeast and, um, you know, even parasites. So all of these different kinds of exposures actually help our bodies to um, to be healthier and and less likely to attack ourselves, you know, which is what allergy or autoimmunity really is. And I think there was some other research that I had heard about. I was watching a uh, webinar by the Evolution of Medicine, and they were talking about one of the speakers was talking about some research done um, about people that grew up with pets with dogs versus people that did not grow up, you know, with dogs. And, and it just made me think about, you know, dogs, they like to lick us, lick our hands, lick our face, sometimes lick our mouth, when, even when we don't want it. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that whole thing about getting diversity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is this similar uh, kind of research looking at pets and, and dogs in particular, having that exposure in early life. Um, seems to make a, a similar, uh, have a similar kind of impact on um, the immune system of kids. And it is absolutely, it's a whole new microbiome, you know, and not only is it the microbiome of the dog itself, but actually, right, like they're out rolling in the dirt and, you know, kind of in places that we um, as humans might not be, you know, kind of mucking around in but you know again you know we think of animals perhaps as being dirty um, but that dirt is actually something that we need and our immune systems need and crave Um, you know our bodies I always say our bodies notice not just the presence of germs and dirt and all of that but also the absence so can we switch gears and talk about soil now and how does soil benefit our bodies? Because you said at the outset there were the, the three pillars for health. You talked about germs and then it, it sounded to me like um, fresh local food grown in healthy soil and then the, the third was being outdoors in nature. So can you talk about the soil part? Yeah. So soil is, um, you know, I always kind of laugh because it's, it's sort of a very unsexy topic to most people, um, but it's actually really foundational in our health in the same way that our guts and our gut microbiome seems to be foundational to our entire body health from the immune system to the endocrine system, even to the brain. So is soil foundational to our health on that greater scale because A, it's, it's, uh, it's, the source of 25% of the world's biodiversity. So really that biodiversity that's so critical for us uh, lives a lot in the soil. Um, it actually is also a, an amazing resource in terms, of, in terms of microbial diversity. So in one teaspoon of soil, there are as many organisms as there are people on the entire planet, which is a pretty powerful image and 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 what we're learning is that many of those different organisms actually uh we're learning you know step by step as we go that many of these organisms are incredibly important for our own healing so um for instance there's uh an organism called mycobacterium vacai that actually um 
when when we're exposed to it, it boosts our serotonin levels in our brain as if we're taking uh, medication, antidepressant medication. Um, so it actually is very uh, important for mood and for cognition, you know, being able to think and remember well and learn. Um, there are a whole bunch of studies uh, in, in animals that um, this mycobacterium, when it's, when it's given to animals, they have less anxiety. They're able to navigate complicated mazes in half the time. You know, they call it a superhero effect. And this is just one organism of the many, 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 right, countless organisms that are found in soil. So our relationship with soil is incredibly important in that way. But also, of course, our food grows in soil. So all of our nutrients, all the vitamins and minerals and actually even the phytonutrients um, and antioxidants in our food, all are a function of how healthy and biodiverse the soil is where it's grown. Um, whether you're eating the pro, you know, fruits and vegetables or even if you eat you know, animal products, all of that is basically um, kind of built on the foundation of the health of the soil. And when people sometimes say to me, like, well, why is my magnesium so low? You know, why am I deficient in this vitamin or that vitamin? When I feel like I eat a really healthy whole foods diet, you know, the issue there is that soil actually can be depleted and we have a responsibility to feed our, and nourish our soil um, so that the soil can really nourish and continue to nourish us. Yeah, and as you're talking about soil, it kind of makes me think of an in- analogy that I tell patients about because they, they're always asking about bacteria and probiotics and how do I get more probiotics and um, the importance of eating fresh local food. And, and I tell them, you know, back in the day before we had factory farming, we would like on a family by family basis, everybody had a garden in the backyard or they, they mm-hmm. had a farm, right? And we grew our own food. And so like we would go in the garden, we'd pull up a carrot, we'd uh, brush off all the dirt and then we'd stick it in our mouth and eat it. We wouldn't go um, sterilize our, our hands, you know, wash them off with some antimicrobial soap and we wouldn't like scrub off the carrot and some antimicrobial wash and then like peel it off. We would just like brush off the dirt and eat it. And that's part of how we get those good microorganisms in our body and fueling our microbiome in our gut, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We were, you know, we were interacting with our environment all the time with the outdoor environment. Um, And we also you know, you, we also were putting everything back into the soil because when you grow your own food, um, and I've learned this in my own, you know, garden, um, when, when I grow my own food, you know, I see the difference between um, the things that grow in a, in a rich soil that I take good care of and, you know, in soil that's kind of depleted and neglected, you know, what, where do the pests go? They're not going to the, the plants that are, that are really robust and, you know, have all the nutrients because those plants are strong and they can fight them off. The pests, you know, go to the, the plants that are weaker um, and are being grown in the, in the less, you know, biodiverse and less 
on nutrient-dense soil. So it's the same as with people, right? When you're depleted, you're more, you know, you're more vulnerable to whatever organisms and, and challenges are going to, you know, come your way. Whereas if you're eating nutrient-dense food and, you know, have biodiverse organisms in your body, similar to the plants, right? It's all kind of like parallel with everything else. You're going to be stronger and you're going to be able to fight things off. Dr. Meyer, what are your thoughts about eating wild plants? I know that there's a whole push out there to that people go foraging in green spaces for wild plants. What are your thoughts about that? You know, overall, I am a huge fan of foraging. I think, um, you know, obviously within reason, making sure that, you know, you know what you're looking for and, you know, you're not, you're, you're careful in terms of, not taking things that are either poisonous or endangered, right? Um, You want to know it's not been in a heavily sprayed area, like don't forage on a golf course, for instance. (laughs) No, Uh that would be bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not everybody realizes it looks so green and beautiful. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) There's not so many wild plants there. And the reason why is because they, you know, for those who don't know, they spray tons of pesticides and herbicides in those areas. So, you know, that kind of thing you want to be careful about. But beyond that, you know, wild plants are actually the most resilient. And and that's because they don't have anyone helping them. You know, when you have a garden, you're like paying attention generally. I mean, I do not always, but you're, most people are paying attention to, you know, picking things off the plants and making sure that, you know, they're watered, making sure that they get everything they need. Well, wild plants don't have that. So they have to really like fend for themselves. And what that means is that they produce more, um, you know, their immune systems are stronger, essentially, meaning that they produce more antioxidants. um, Because really, antioxidants are actually the part of the immune system of the plant. So, um, you know, those wild plants that you find are actually more potent and more nutrient dense than almost anything you would be able to grow yourself, which is incredible. You know, it's an incredible gift because also more often than not, they're free, right? And you're going into kind of wild spaces and maybe taking, you know, again, within reason, you don't want to take more than, you know, 30%, you know, of what's out there of a particular thing. But you know, um, it's a wonderful way to get really nutrient-dense food. And, um, you know, even things like dandelions are, you know, dandelion root I use for tea. Um, you can roast it a little bit, and it is absolutely delicious. And, uh, you know, I call it kid coffee because it it's co- it has a kind of coffee flavor to it, but without, without caffeine. So, you know, if my kids want it, then I used to make them... Uh, roasted uh, dandelion root tea. Uh, the greens are wonderful for because they're quite bitter and um, really nutrient-dense and very good for kind of cleansing like liver, especially in the spring when all the dandelion flowers are out. And then the flowers, I make fritters from the flowers. Some people like to make uh, wine, dandelion wine from the flowers. So they're like an amazing food. And obviously, you know, they're everywhere. So, um, again, as long as it's not sprayed, you really have like a one wonderful resource right there waiting for you. 
So I know one of the things that you talk about in your book, and I love this, is that you talk about bitters. And like you, I am also a big fan of bitters. And I talk to my patients about the importance of bitter foods. Mm-hmm. And, and I give them the analogy of when you go to the grocery store and you buy a, a, a head of broccoli, like that's going to taste completely different than if you were wandering around the forest and you found a wild broccoli plant and you ate that broccoli. Like the wild plants have more bitter properties and the food industry has hybridized out these bitter properties for a lot of foods because just we, especially in North America, like we just, we don't like a bitter taste. We prefer sweet and salty and sour. So can you tell us about why bitter foods are so important for us? Sure. You know, and bitters, I will just say, I mean, we've really um, selected for the sweeter, um, the sweeter kinds of uh, fruits and vegetables over time. So it used to be that um, fruit was smaller and more bitter, much smaller and, and, and probably much more bitter than it is now. Um, We were much more accustomed to a bitter palate in the past. um, And we've really trained ourselves to, or really trained our food to satisfy that sweet um, flavor that we crave because sweet is associated with um, calories, you know, and that's something that, you know, in survival mode you really want. But bitters themselves are incredible for the gut. They improve motility, meaning like, you know, moving through the gut. So uh, anything from bloating and burping to constipation um, can improve with with taking bitter bitter tonics um, or eating bitter foods. Um, uh, it also helps increase stomach acid, which people think of as bad, but actually that is the only way you really digest protein. So helps prevent allergies and also is part of our immune system to have that good acid um, in the stomach. And um, in addition to that, it helps stabilize blood sugar levels and improves detoxification um, and boosts the immune system throughout the digestive tract, but also, believe it or not, we have bitter receptors throughout the rest of our body, including in our ear, nose, and throat. So it actually helps uh, fight or helps us to fight the flu, cold, you know, all those kinds of things, strep throat, whatever, because it's boosting the immune system in the ear, nose, throat. So there's really uh, like endless, endless benefits to having bitters in your life. And, you know, when people kind of grimace, I always ask them, especially adults, you know, um, do you drink coffee? And they say yes. And I'm like, well, that's a bitter tonic, you know, beer, another one, because it has hops. So there are bitter tonics that people love and crave. It's just something you have to develop a taste for and, and integrate in your life every day. I had no idea there were bitter receptors in the nose and ears. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. And um, I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of bitters. And for a lot of patients, I'll recommend they either take like a herbal e- extract of bitters, like a little half or a, a teaspoon before their meals, and that they just eat more bitter foods. Mm-hmm. And I warn them ahead of time. I say, you're probably going to curse me because <laughs> it's going to taste really awful. But usually within a month or two, they, they come back and they say, you know what, Dr. Gary, you know, I, I actually kind of like the taste of those bitters. And I'm like, good, because that's like what Mother Nature intended, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's really, it's really, I do think, you know, many people who like crave their coffee, I think, you know, 
they think it's because they're addicted to the caffeine. And, you know, for some people that may be true, but I actually think many people crave coffee because it's, um, because it's got bitter, bitter compounds in it that our bodies really need and crave as well. And we, when we talk about coffee, are we really just talking about black coffee, like as a bitter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a, lot, so a lot of listeners out there are really happy right now. Black coffee <laughs> can be healthy. Yeah. So, yeah. And I don't, I don't sweeten my coffee, actually. If I, I don't drink coffee regularly, but when I do, I really don't sweeten it because um, I like to get that full bitter effect, you know. And, and as you were saying, dandelion leaves are definitely bitters. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you mind listing a, a few other foods for our listeners about bitters? Sure, like dark leafy greens are bitters. Um, chamomile tea, you know, there are certain kinds of teas. Chamomile is a mild bitter, which is one that I really like for kids. Um, orange peel, right, so that the rind... Um, that's actually an excellent bitter and part of why it's so good um, when it's used in uh, desserts because it helps kind of stabilize blood sugar, remember, um, so it sort of balances the sweetener. Um, dark chocolate, the darker it is, the more of a bitter it is. So, yeah, there are a lot of ways to get bitters. Fantastic. So since we're talking about food, why don't we transition and talking talk about healthy fats and how do healthy fats help the immune system and brain? Um, Yeah, so fats are incredibly important in many ways. And in terms of just like the basics, um, our cell membranes, every cell membrane of every cell in the body is made with over 200 different fatty acids. So to have a healthy cell membrane, you need to have lots like lots and lots of different kinds of fatty acids, which obviously come from food. Um, in addition to that, uh, you also need cholesterol, which is actually not technically a fat, but it's often found in foods that are high-fat foods like egg yolks or liver, which are two of my very favorite ways of getting you know diverse fats, um, particularly when they're from pastured animals. And, um, and these, and cholesterol is actually critically important as well because it helps to, um, give structure. It's stiff and it gives structure to the cell membrane, which you need. Um, so, uh, you know, what we know about different fats is that, um, is that they actually, um, our, our brains are made, uh, with significantly high amounts of fats because of all the cell membranes that are there as well as cholesterol and cholesterol again is so important there that in babies um, you know they need cholesterol so badly that uh, breast milk has special enzymes that uh, help take up the cholesterol um, so it can go straight to the baby's nervous system that's how critical cholesterol is for our brains so Healthy fats you can get, like I said, um, any kind of pastured uh, animal products, you'll be getting your omega-3s and omega-6s, which are both important in a good ratio with each other. Those are essential fatty acids that we need to get from our food. We can't make them. And having good um, levels in our body of, let's say, omega-3s is critically important to help 
with things like mood, so helps prevent depression, um, helps with focus and attention, um, it helps as a prevent to prevent cancer, um, prevent asthma and other autoimmune conditions. So we have all kinds of benefits from having those omega-3s, and we can get those from pastured animals and also from fish, and some uh, vegetable sources, although it's less bioavailable to our bodies. So like um, flax, walnuts, um, arugula, um, purslane, those are all sources uh, that are really good for omega-3s, but um, we do only get about between 5 and 10% of um, that, you know, omega-3 that, you know, the EPA and DHA that we want for our brain. They're still healthy for us for other reasons too, but um, getting from animal products is definitely the most bioavailable way to get those essential fatty acids. Um, and then, you know, I think we've really told ourselves things like egg yolks. We were told for such a long time that's really bad or whole fat milk is really bad. And, you know, not everybody can drink milk, but um, for those who can, you know, butter um, or, or whole fat milk, we're finding actually is more likely to make you thinner because it seems to satiate our bodies better and we're less likely to eat more and probably for many other reasons too. Um, you know, there have been now several really nicely done studies that have shown that eating a higher fat diet actually is more likely to make you thin and fit than, um, you know, eating very low fat, which almost always ends up being higher chemical and higher sugar diet. Dr. Meyer, you've given our listeners so much great information today, and we're starting to run low on time. Is there anything that we've not touched on in today's interview that you think is important for our listeners to know about? Well, the last thing I'd say is, you know, we didn't touch on getting outside into nature, although we did talk about soil and those soil organisms, which you get when you're gardening or you're outdoors. But the one thing I would say is that there's actually tremendous, tremendous uh, literature um, that shows that being outside in nature, not by eating anything, not by, you know, having to, to do anything, but just simply by immersing yourself, let's say, in the forest, um, and enjoying, you know, peaceful time actually um, is pretty transformative as well to everything from your stress levels to your ability to think and focus and your executive function to your sleep to, um, you know, just feeling happy. So um, that is the one last thing is getting outside is sort of a win-win on every level and I highly recommend it. Even Even when it's cold and snowy out. You still Even want to get outside. <laughs> yes, yes. I actually trail run. So, um, you know, I always try to get out, you know, at least five five times a week. Um, and even if it's snowy. Dr. Maya, where can our listeners get a copy of your book, The Dark Cure? And how can they find out more about you? Um, well, so the book is available pretty much in every bookstore you know, and uh, all your local bookstores and Amazon and so on. And uh, it's coming out in paperback this spring, and we're going to have a big event. You can find out about that by getting on my email list. And so you can just come to drmaya.com, D-R-M-A-Y-A.com, and um, you'll find, uh, you can sign up for my email list. You'll find my blog posts and, um, you know, all the different events that I'm doing including the training courses and certification program and um, retreats that I run. So, uh, you know, and of course, I'm also on social media and 
Facebook and and Instagram and so on under Dr. Maya SK. Fantastic. So I'll make sure that those links are in our podcast notes on our website so that our listeners can easily find all that great information. Okay. Dr. Maya, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. All right. That wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Maya Shetri Klein. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.